Asante came to TurboTax after graduating from culinary school and landing a job in the hottest kitchen in town. My hands are full all day, every day. I love it. Asante, as your TurboTax expert, I'll make your moves count, guaranteeing 100% accurate filing and your maximum refund. Sound good? Yes, expert! Switch to Intuit TurboTax and make your moves count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. On today's episode of the John Campy Show podcast, Kevin Spacey has just won his second sexual misconduct court case trial. Can he make a Hollywood comeback? Marvel's Secret Invasion had its finale last night, and I got to tell you, they ended in probably the most disappointing and terrible way they possibly could have done it. Also, one of the guys who ran the Arrowverse for CW and DC is saying that Marvel needs to reboot. They might have a point. That and a whole bunch more. The John Campy Show podcast starts right now. Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the Best Damn Movie Related Show on the planet at the John Campy Show. Coming to you from right here in our quaint little studio, brought to you in part by our friends at Mint Mobile. I am, of course, your host, John Campia, and it is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day, to have you, our international friends, gather around as we talk about our favorite things in the world. Movies, movie news, TV, streaming, all sorts of good stuff. Not just giving you our opinions, but giving you some information and context so you guys can form your own well-informed opinions, whether they're the same or completely different from ours. Uh, joining us to see you today, we got Ray Ora. Hey, hey. Jonathan Voigt goes over here. Hey, everybody. It's Wednesday, which means Chris Carr has a day off. But fortunately, most importantly, you guys are here. And thank you so much for making this show part of your day. And here's how the show's going to go. We're going to start off by talking about those topics we already listed off. And then we're going to spend the last part of our show taking topics and questions from our YouTube channel members. If you're listening to the show on our podcast, we have a YouTube channel that we put out some short videos on every day. And we also have a wonderful group of supporters there known as YouTube channel members who help support our channel, but also send in topics and questions. And we get through as many of them as we can every single day. All right. With that said, I'll tell you what I did yesterday. I, you guys might have noticed, if you're regulars on the YouTube channel, we normally daily do a uh, open mic show, but we didn't have one yesterday mm -hmm. uh, for a couple of reasons. One, we were working pretty hard on this Barbie editorial that we put up. You can see it there. It's called Barbie is the Villain of the Barbie, Barbie Movie. Go check it out if you haven't seen it yet. Uh, but the other thing was, Ann and I had tickets. Uh, I'm not a big soccer guy, I admit. Like, I'll watch the World Cup. But I, I'm not really into soccer too terribly much. But I love Ted Lasso and I love the show Welcome to Wrexham. Love that series. And so yesterday, Wrexham was playing probably the most famous soccer club in the world, Manchester United, uh, in San Diego in a friendly. So Ann and I got tickets to go see that. So I had to leave a little bit earlier than normal yesterday. We drove down San Diego, had a wonderful time. Uh, had a and got us some really, really great seats. Beautiful weather down in San Diego. It's always nice and moderate there. Had an absolute blast. And I cannot wait for season two of Welcome to Wrexham. I believe it starts in September, if I'm not mistaken. So that was a lot of fun. Uh, anyway, all right. 
with all that down, guys, let's get into our first big thing here. Uh, you know, I mentioned in a video we did on the YouTube channel earlier, I did not wake up this morning expecting to be talking about Kevin Spacey. But here we are. Now, laying some groundwork here. Kevin Spacey, uh, one of the most celebrated actors uh, up until a point. Uh, he's the owner of two Academy Awards, one that he won for American Beauty, one that he won for one of my all-time favorite films, Unusual, uh, The Usual Suspects. He's absolutely phenomenal. He, right before his massive fall in 2017, he just appeared in a brilliant movie, Baby Driver, by Edgar Wright. And he was starring in the true flagship show for Netflix that put Netflix streaming on the map with House of Cards. And then like a House of Cards, it all came tumbling down. Uh, Hollywood actor Anthony Rapp came forward with accusations that, that when he was a teenager, Kevin Spacey sexually assaulted him, all this kind of stuff. That opened a floodgate of a bunch of other people in the industry coming forward, making allegations about Kevin Spacey, and his career was done. Now, over the years, that has led us to two separate actual court cases and trials. One trial... Anthony Rapp, the aforementioned actor, sued Kevin Spacey for his alleged acts so many years earlier for $40 million. Now, last year in October of 2022, uh, Kevin Spacey, as you can see here, actually won that case. Kevin Spacey was cleared of any wrongdoing in that case. Now, there wasn't a lot of celebrating because he faced what was arguably even more serious charges from a number of accusers in a London court case where Kevin Spacey stood trial for nine charges. Well, this morning, that court case got brought to its conclusion as it has been reported that Kevin Spacey has once again emerged victorious being acquitted on all nine charges. All nine of them. Kevin Spacey, has gone to court twice and won both times. Now, this isn't even like, say, for instance, the Johnny Depp case, where Johnny Depp went to case, went to court twice, lost once, and won once. You know, won the big, important American one, but but he lost the one that was in England. Kevin Spacey's gone twice and he's won both times. And the question that got brought up earlier today is. Can Kevin Spacey, having won both of these trials, can Kevin Spacey get his career back? Uh, More than just acting, because I'm sure he can go and appear in any community theater, but can he get his Hollywood career back? The guy who has two Oscars, the guy who's been in so many iconic movies and played so many iconic roles, can this guy get his career back? Now, There's two ways of looking at it. On the one hand, you think, well, the guy is an immense talent. He's got Oscars. And he was just vindicated, not once, but twice, in the court of law. Therefore, he should be able to get his career back. I understand that point of view. Those are valid arguments to make. They absolutely are. But there's the other side of the coin, right? And the other side of the coin is a little bit more nuanced. The people that took and testified 
in the court cases against Kevin Spacey are not the only ones who came forward. Many others came forward with allegations that they never pressed charges with or never sued him over. I don't, I'm not saying that as to suggest we should just believe them and believe Kevin Spacey is guilty of anything. I'm not saying that, but those are out there. And the reality is, if you're a Hollywood studio executive, if you're a producer, if you're a director, do you give the role to a talented actor? Let's say you got a role. Do you give the role to a talented actor who's got no controversy in their life? And the only thing they're going to bring to your movie or television project is their talent. That's it. That's all they're bringing to the table. Or do you hire Kevin Spacey, who along with tremendous acting talent, is also fairly or unfairly bringing along a lot of baggage and a lot of personal issues and a lot of controversy? And you got to ask yourself as a director or a studio executive or as a financer, do I want to risk my $100 million? Do I want to risk my passion project? Do I want to risk my business on somebody coming along who, talent aside, is bringing a lot of controversy along with them? Because guilty or not guilty, there's still going to be a lot of people out there, right or wrong, There are still going to be a lot of people out there who don't want to see something with Kevin Spacey in it. I'm not saying they're right to feel that way. I'm not saying they're wrong to feel that way. But I think we can all agree there are going to be a lot of people out there that are going to feel uncomfortable, right or wrong, in watching Kevin Spacey. And if you're a studio executive and you've got 10 good actor options in front of you to pick for your role, are you going to pick one of the nine that doesn't bring that baggage along with them? Or are you going to pick the one that does? And I'm here to tell you, I don't know what the answer to that is. Because there's an old saying that says, no publicity is bad publicity. (laughs) Or all publicity is good publicity, right? It's like, man, I got this little project, but no one's going to talk about it. (laughs) Announce to the world that you're putting Kevin Spacey in one of the lead roles. Mm. Everybody's going to talk about it. And all of a sudden, good or bad, your project is going to be headline news. And idiots like me on shows like mine... We're going to talk about Kevin Spacey cast as the new James Bond or, you know. Oh, boy. <laughs> Jeez. I knew you'd like that one. But Kevin Spacey is the new uh, the new 64-year-old James Bond. By the way, that's... At Splinter. As Master Splinter in the new live-action Teenage Mutant Ninja oh. Turtles. Oh, that's not good because... Oh, there's a joke there, but... Yeah, no. yeah I know. I know. No, maybe not go there. That's a bunch of fine young male turtles there you've got on your stuff. But, but but that does bring up the other issue, right? He is 64. He's not exactly at the, which is, I mean, 60s, the 60s is the new 40s in Hollywood, right? But I mean, at 64, I mean, some of the roles that he maybe would have gotten a decade ago, 15, 20 years ago, maybe not be roles that he would get today. He may not play the high school junior's dad. He might now play the high school junior's grandfather or or something like that, right? So there's a little bit more limitation on there as well. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I don't know. You know, here's the funny thing. When all this came out about all these allegations and things that he did, I, the weirdest thing happened to me. I was still able to go back and watch old movies of his that I had already seen 
but I couldn't conceive of watching a new movie with, you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Like I couldn't, I couldn't imagine myself watching a new movie. I have no explanation for why my brain worked that way, but it's like, Oh, can I go back and watch, uh, uh, what's the K-Pax? Oh yeah. Is that the one where he's like, said, was oh, from another he's planet? like an alien. Yeah. Yeah. So I, in my head, I had no problem thinking I can go back, back and watch K-Pax. I don't know why I would go back and watch K-Pax, but I could go back and watch K-Pax, but you know how they fired him out of, uh, uh, what was the movie that they replaced him with? Uh, Christopher Plummer, oh, oh, yeah. all the money in the all world, the money in the world. Right. I couldn't imagine watching all the money in the world. If he had still been in it, I, I just don't know. Uh, what I feel about that. So actually, I'm, I'm going to ask Jonathan. Oh boy. Be- yes. Because, I mean, listen, we tend to try to be society that's based on, you know, everybody should have their day in court, all that kind of stuff. He went to court twice, mm-hmm. pretty definitively won both times. I mean, even in the Anthony Rapp case, he got legal fees awarded <laughs> to him from Anthony Rapp as well even though Anthony Rapp was the one suing him. Um, I, I'm just wondering, let's say tomorrow, Universal, and I'm just picking a studio's name out of thin air. I'm not saying Universal's going to cast, but l- let's say Universal decided to make a new movie starring Kevin Spacey. How are you feeling? Like, not not how should people feel, but how are you feeling about the notion of maybe going to see that new movie, given what's happened with, with court right now? Uh, it would be along the lines of Ezra Miller getting cast mm. in, in something right now. Uh, not, not something that had been worked on pre, I almost said pre-pandemic, pre-allegations. Right. But something new. On one hand, you can say, yes, he got his get-out-of-jail-free card because he won the cases. But did he win the court of public opinion? Uh, are the people who are like, well, they just didn't, probably just didn't present the right evidence or maybe certain evidence would have gotten him you know in trouble but they weren't admitted in court um maybe certain testimony while being true uh was tainted so they couldn't use it i mean there's a lot to unpack there yeah and my opinion is along the lines of what you just said they couldn't have cast somebody else so i don't know i don't know that i would necessarily see it honestly yeah and honestly i'm not sure how i feel about it right now because look, one one thing is is clear, right? With the sheer volume of people who came forward, clearly, let's let's at least say Kevin, whether or not he broke laws, Kevin Spacey clearly at points in his career and life did not act the most ethically. I I, I don't think there's gonna be a lot of people that disagree with that, right? So yes, he won his court cases. I man, I I, I just again, it's two separate things. If I'm the studio executive, I have a rational reason for feeling that I wouldn't cast Kevin Spacey. It has nothing to do with whether I believe he was guilty or not guilty of anything. It's just that I don't want to put an actor in my movie that's bringing all that baggage along. There's also, I would say, there's also a lot of just on-set claims of people being uncomfortable or feeling like, that wasn't necessarily bad, but it was a little weird. I've never encountered that before. And then even as a producer, do you want to have to deal with on-set issues? Yeah, how do your other actors feel about it, right? And, and yeah. all that kind of stuff. And this is all going to be really interesting stuff to see how this... Look, from a rights point of view, Kevin Spacey now has the right to pursue 
the opportunities to reignite his career. He absolutely does. I, I'm just wondering if you're a studio executive, do you go for it? And how are audiences going to feel about it? I'm just not sure right now. It's it's going to, again, this is just news that came out this morning. So I think all of us have a lot to unpack with it, but it's going to be very, very interesting to see how it all moves forward. All right. With that down, uh, let's talk about this for a second. Last night was the season finale <laughs> of Secret Invasion. They nailed it. Oh, they nailed the landing. Stuck it. Like Nadia Komenich. Yeah. Did I even, is that how you say her name? Nadia I have no Komenich. idea. I have no idea, but. Yeah. <laughs> the old Olympic gold medalist. I'll just go with you. Nailed it. Or oh, who's the new girl? Uh, get, get, the, the, get, get. Gabrielle. No, no, no. She's just won like 85 gold yeah, medals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought her name was. Why Gab am I forgetting her name? Short little remember. girl. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. Nobody cares. So. We care. See, uh, I'm not saying <laughs> nobody cares about her. I'm saying nobody cares about my analogy oh, anymore. Okay. So, Secret Invasion comes out last night. And in general, I have liked this show. I have not loved it. I don't think it's been great, but I've liked it. You know, it's, it's been interesting, the approach following up on the events of Captain Marvel and what happens to the Skrulls who were promised a home 30 years ago. And all, it was it's interesting, right? They could have done a lot of things better, but I've enjoyed it. Now, I also got the script to this thing last year. The only thing I didn't read was the finale. Kind of wish I had. I don't think Kevin Feige did either. I wonder if Kevin Feige had actually read the final. If he just read the first couple of episodes, yep, good enough. Green yeah, light. They got to figure it out. <laughs> they know what they're doing. We don't need to worry about it. Simone Biles. Simone Biles. There thank you, you. Yes, that's her. I'm glad you were like yeah. a bloodhound on that. Wouldn't let that scent go. Come on. So the, the finale comes out last night, though. And what a train wreck. Mm. What an absolute dumpster fire train yeah, good, wreck. Huh? Um, first of all, they they don't even introduce now. Just for those of you who listen to this podcast, if you haven't seen the final episode of Secret Invasion, I'm, I'm sure many of you probably aren't even watching it all. But just give you a heads up, I'm going to be giving some spoilers here about it. Honestly, not big plot things, but really big, significant, stupid things. So they don't even introduce the notion of the harvest which is a collection of the DNA that all the big superpowered beings spilled in the final big battle of the Endgame. And you got Nick Fury's got this little vial that's a collection of all this DNA, right? And the Skrulls, Gravik, he wants it to breed super Skrulls. But they don't even introduce Harvest until the second last episode. Then we get into the last episode, and it's the most key pivotal thing in the entire universe. And it ends up that Gravik uses it, but unknowingly also lets Gaia, mm. played by... Amelia uh, Clark. Amelia Clark, Mother of Dragons from Game of Thrones, who is a scroll. She also gets all the superpowers. And here's the thing. She gets the powers of... Hulk, the powers of uh, abomination, abomination, yeah, the powers of ghost, yeah, the villain in Ant Man Two, yeah, Sweet. the powers of Ebony Maw, who, from everything we can tell in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, is the most power telekinetic in the galaxy. Remember, he was wiping the floor with Doctor Strange, Iron Man. He was just wiping the floor with everybody. They had to trick him basically to beat him 
in Infinity War, but the DNA of the DNA of Thanos. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was yeah. Okay, great. The DNA of Thor, and the one character that the MCU has been putting forward as the most powerful character in the universe, Captain Marvel. Yeah, and Captain America. Just and for good Captain measure. America. Just and, for good measure. By the way, and Winter Soldier, <laughs> oh. and Black Panther, and Groot, and, and Korg. Uh, Korg. Mantis, and oh, yeah. Drax, and Korg, and, 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 and. Yeah. So now you have basically have this being who is, without question, Remember, in Guardians 1, they referred to Thanos as, without the gauntlet as being the most powerful the most powerful entity in the universe. It's Thanos. Mm. Well, then they're like saying, well, Captain Marvel's most powerful. There's still theories out there that given the right conditions, Hulk is the most powerful. But be that as it may, we now have a character who has the powers of Captain Marvel, the powers of Hulk, the powers of Thor, the powers of Thanos, the powers of Mantis, the power on and on and on and on and on. Basically, Ray, I hate to break it to you, but if Sentry showed up, she'd beat his ass in about ten seconds. Well, no, I, I, I would, I would. No, I, no, I, like I'm sorry, but you're you're talking about Captain Marvel, Hulk, Abomination, Thor, uh, Thanos, all combined into one. They're beating Sentry's ass. No, they're not. You know why? Why? Because Sentry is crazy as... He's got that crazy advantage. I'm too crazy. I don't know what to do. I'm going to... I don't know. I'll do something <laughs> stupid. Because I'm crazy. Ray's never been crazy. He doesn't know what he'd do. I I don't know. I don't know. But this actually sounds awesome to me. It sounds like a super, super scroll. It's... But look, I get the idea of the super scrolls, but this is stupid. This like guy... Despite how you're making it sound like how they got the powers, they just stepped in like a booth, like yeah, a tanning, basically tanning booth. Stood, essentially stepped inside this glorified tanning booth, flipped the switch, beep, 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 beep. Great. Now I have the all the superpowers. I have all the superpowers. And I, I said this in a little video we did earlier today, but I, I swear to God, it's like if they got a group of fourth graders together and said, well, fourth graders, uh, what do you think should happen? And one, one little kid, little, <laughs> little Timmy, put up his hand, say, yes, Timmy. And little Timmy said, I, I, I think that, that she should get all the superpowers. That's a great idea, Timmy. Now, don't expect any residuals for that idea because we don't do that right now. But that's a great idea. We're going to run with it. Should we tell Kevin Feige about it? Nah, he'll be fine. Don't worry about Kevin. But it's, they literally just created a god who you could line up the entire, this this character right here, you could line up the entire Avengers from Infinity War and Endgame lineup against her, and she'll kill them all in about two minutes. And it's like, what's the what's the MCU doing right now? What are they doing? Like, I've been saying for a while that since, not since Endgame, but since Far From Home, the Marvel Cinematic Universe seems to have lost its way a little bit. Now, they have put out a couple of amazing things in that time period. WandaVision, Ms. Marvel, Shang-Chi. Uh, a, a number of things they put out have been absolutely fantastic. But it used to be that everything they put out was fantastic, right? You've heard me cry about this before. But in the last couple of years, it's really felt like, eh, it's hit and miss. 
Because for every Shang-Chi or WandaVision, we've also gotten a She-Hulk. Ugh. And now we've gotten Secret Invasion, which I had liked up until the finale. You got Moon Knight, which ended up being kind of disappointing. You get Hawkeye, which was pretty disappointing. You got Black Widow, which was okay, I guess. Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, which is really disappointing. Like, it's just, what are they doing? And it, it makes me think about what Bob Iger mentioned a couple of weeks ago, that Bob Iger really felt that the original notion of Disney Plus as he invented it, which then came under the control of Bob Chapek, Bob Iger was saying, I really feel like that the, our Disney Plus shows have diluted our product. They've diluted the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And you know what? I'm going to say something that's going to be very unpopular, but Spoiler Pig is going to back me up. You know what Disney Plus should do? What? Not make any original shows. They should, <gasps> Disney Plus should not make any original shows. You know what would make Disney Plus a lot more uh, cost-effective to run, but also still be very, very popular? Just become the depository of all the Disney content. As new Disney movies come out, whether it's Pixar, Star Wars, Marvel, Disney Pictures, what have you, have all that stuff come out, and then the place it then lives after its theatrical run is on Disney+. Plus. It's the place I go to for all of my Pixar films, all of my classic Disney animation films, all of my Star Wars movies, all my Marvel movies, Nat Geo, whatever else. Like, just make it your depository, and it would still have tons of subscribers. The, the way they're doing it now, what Secret Invasion has really kind of hinted to me is that it that Bob Iger was absolutely right. It's completely diluted their product. Yeah. I mean, we were excited at first because it was like, oh, they're gonna do Marvel series too. And yep. we thought, oh, but it'll be I was too. I, I was one of them. And absolutely. we honestly, people probably can't even believe this, but at the time we thought, but it'll be a different like actor. No, no. It's gonna be Tom Hiddleston. It's yep. gonna be the and we're like, oh my God, we got we get to see these people in like and it was exciting, but then when they don't deliver the story, or when they deliver the story and you have to watch these stories in order to get the next movie, it gets convoluted. If they had just done like one-offs where it didn't really like you didn't you didn't need these side stories to get the next movie, but you got some character development, maybe fine, but it's still a bit of a dilution because now they're also trying to do three, four movies at a time and they're trying to do these series, and it becomes so overwhelming that you can't keep up. And, and here's the thing, too. The other problem was not when we were excited at first, they came out of the gate strong because their first Disney plus Marvel show was WandaVision, right? Yeah. And that, like, made all of us think, this is it. This is a golden era, man. This is going to be awesome. Yeah. Eh, not so much. They had done one a year. I mean, initially, like, I, I, I grasped on to the Disney plus, like, the Marvel series on there only because... Like, I felt it was a platform where you could flesh out characters or, like, flesh out, like, new characters that might not but be then, big enough to yeah. be on the big screen. But then they made and them I thought necessary. maybe it would be something that we could, uh, there would be certain characters that we could uh, grasp onto and be like, oh, this character I've never known, I've heard about, is actually really cool. I just don't think the writing has been there to actually grab people and have them, like, uh, you know, because uh, um, it worked. What you're explaining, they did do with same as Marvel. Yeah, but 
you're right. Like, every, like they've just had a it, lot of weaknesses along the way doing it. And 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 again, it's back to what Bob Iger said. It's diluted. It's and, watered it all down. And I don't think Kevin Feige was prepared to have like so much um, area to work with. You know what I mean? He he was only contained into the the movie stuff. One one movie after which another. is where he should have stayed. One movie I mean, after another. Hindsight is twenty twenty. Yeah, yeah. Hindsight is twenty twenty. Absolutely. We all. If 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 they had asked for my vote back when they were just getting this started, I would have been yeah, go forward yeah. with that. That's going to be great. And, and, but you know, hindsight is twenty. I mean, we were all nervous out. that he'd be a bit overwhelmed, and we're like, but he's got it. He's way like, stretched too thin. But then he stretched. Yeah, and, and you know, the people behind Disney Plus were pushing for content. He had to rush these things out. It oh yeah, Bob, like. well, Bob. Remember, one of the first things Bob Chapek did when he took over Disney. Was he completely restructured the leadership flowcharts? That was a problem too. It was a massive problem because now, whereas Kevin Feige used to be the guy in charge to decide what yep. content we're going to make and where it's going to go, that authority was taken away from Kevin Feige. Yeah. And now he had a new level of bosses. He became telling middle manager. Him, oh, you need to make this and we're going to put on Disney Plus, but I don't want to put on Disney right. Plus. Too bad. Too that bad. We're telling you we want this and we want to put on Disney Plus. And he never had that under. Like Bob Iger, he never yeah. had that under. Um, uh, why am I freezing on the the head of Disney's names? Uh, uh, Alan Horn. Alan Horn, thank yeah. you. I was looking at his face in my head. He never had that under Alan Horn. Like Alan Horn was his boss, but Alan Horn equipped him and empowered him to do stuff. Anyway, we're going on a long, long rabbit trail. Bottom line is, uh, Secret Invasion ended really badly. They did one of the stupid, no, not one of the stupidest things. They did the stupidest thing the Marvel Cinematic Universe has ever done with the creation of this god being that came out of nowhere. Like I said, it was at like the end of the second last episode, Harvest. What? Next thing, God. Um, it's just uh, awful. Anyway, all right. With that down, let's talk about one more thing here, shall we? And this kind of is connected a little bit with the last thing we were just discussing. You know, there's always been the question for the past seven or eight years, people have been asking, when is the MCU going to reboot? Like even when it was firing on all cylinders and at the height of its power, people began to ask the question, at what point does the Marvel Cinematic Universe reboot? To which you all say, well, maybe never. But those questions are becoming more and more frequent. And we're having to take those questions a little bit more seriously now because Marvel is becoming a little bit of a mess. Like, hey, listen, again, they're still putting out some great... Guardians of the Galaxy 3 we just watched. Awesome movie. Fantastic movie. But, again, that came on the heels of Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. And now we've had, like, She-Hulk and Secret Invasion, whatever. Well, it's not just some fans who are asking that question. One of the guys who ran the Arrowverse for DC, his name is Mark Guggenheim, right? Mark Guggenheim was recently being talked about, and he's basically saying, you know what? That Marvel Cinematic Universe, they need to reboot. Uh, this comes from the folks over at CBR who wrote the following. Speaking on the, and I won't know how to pronounce this right, the Arthi and Sriram show, uh, Guggenheim explained that he agrees with current Disney CEO Bob Iger that Marvel Studios needs to slow down its content production, adding that he believes the MCU is due for a crisis on Infinite Earths-like event that can reduce the number of plot threads. Each of these movies in Phase 1 through 3, they all stood on their own. Look, I get it. I think, honestly, what the Marvel Cinematic Universe is going through right now is the same discovery that Marvel Print Universe and the DC Print Universe, talking about the comic books, also went through, Guggenheim explained, which is I think these universes, uh, like ships, 
And the longer the ship sails, the more barnacles get attached to its hull, and the more it weighs down the ship, and the more it affects how fast the ship can move through water. Um, the creator went on to speculate that he believes the upcoming Avengers Secret Wars will largely serve that goal. My guess is what they're building up with Phase 4 is Secret Wars, and they have announced not the Secret Wars of the 1980s, it's Jonathan Hickman's Secret Wars, which basically was sort of like a reset for the Marvel Universe, Guggenheim concluded. Uh, so basically what he's saying, like, look, things are going to start getting weighed down. The ship analogy was actually a good analogy. He also talked in another place about how there's just so much, there's so many plot threads running all over the place. By the way, still nobody in the Marvel Cinematic Universe has mentioned that, I don't know, Aratham the Judge appeared over Earth saying, I am coming to judge the Earth. Gone. It's like, okay, well, that's just another Tuesday. Like, there are so many plot lines going on in the Marvel Cinematic Universe right now, and there are now so many characters that has become very top-heavy, using another ship analogy. And if it's not careful, it's going to capsize. And, and some might argue it's already starting to capsize. And so he's theorizing that much like the comic runs had to, at some point, come up with an event to bring everything down to something that's a little bit more simple. Right. And the comics did it to to good effect on a number of occasions. And he's suggesting that maybe the Marvel Cinematic Universe is now in the place where it needs to consider doing that, too. And I'll tell you what, he might not be wrong, especially after watching Secret Invasion. Again, a show up until the finale that I felt was good, like I'm liking it, but it's definitely not great. It's very monotone. And then when you got the payoff, it's like, really, this is what they're doing now. This is where we're at. I I cannot help but wonder. And you know what? Maybe to his point, maybe this is what Kevin Feige has in mind already, like talking about Secret Wars. Maybe coming out of Secret Wars, we're going to get a pseudo-rebooted MCU, a much more manageable, like instead of going from 75 different characters. But don't forget, too, we got X-Men coming in. And X-Men is not a team of five people. X-Men also introduces the world of mutants, of which there are literally hundreds. <clears throat> so... Maybe he's right. Listen, I've always said to you, if you're going to bring in X-Men, maybe you either need to leave them in their own universe or maybe you need to reboot the MCU and say, hey, this is a world where mutants have always existed. I mean, I just don't know, but I don't think Guggenheim is crazy. How far How far do you want to see this re reboot from just like uh, just story wise or are we talking about complete character overhaul of uh, the writers or like even even Kevin Feige? I don't know. Like how how far do you go? Like it feels like it's it would be it would it would be less of a headache that they just finish this story arc through and then maybe start with a clean slate but, but some people will argue that endgame was the finishing of the story arc right right like some people like to, i i've read a lot of comments of people writing on on the videos and in my posts saying you know i the mcu for me ended at endgame and let's actually look at the status of the mcu right now the main heartbeat of the entire franchise is gone, right? First, you have the two faces of the MCU, Tony Stark and Steve Rogers, Captain America and, and um, you know, Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans. Mm -hmm. They were the faces of the MCU. <clears throat> the whole thing, they're gone. Black Widow was an OG, gone. Hulk is now wearing Hawaiian shirts to family barbecues. 
Thor is kind of in an unrecognized. I loved Thor Ragnarok. Loved Thor Ragnarok. But they have put Thor through so much stuff now that Thor is, I don't know even what you say Thor is now. Like who and what is the MCU now? It almost feels like maybe you do need to do like a hard reset and say, and start again with a new Tony Stark, a new Steve Rogers, a new Hulk, a new Thor, a new what? I, I mean, I, honestly, I'm not saying that's what they should do. I'm just spitballing here. I'm and, just spitballing, but I, I don't know. And, and then when you also got some of your most faithful employees, like maybe Scarlett Johansson, remember what she went through with uh, the Black Widow drama? Oh, yeah. And Thanks to like Bob that. Chapek. Well, yeah. That was, I think, the initially the first sign of things. <laughs> Things were getting rocky. You know yeah, then I mean? not all was good on the good ship MCU. And then, yeah. oh, and then Chris Hemsworth, who's never said anything about recently, didn't, wasn't he criticizing how his character is now? Yeah, uh, he he started saying some things about like, okay, may, we maybe we did this. With a little that too silly wrong. and this and that. Yeah, like being a, a, a little more black. I just, I just, here's the thing. You know, people have been telling me, I, I've had these debates with people when people are saying like, oh, you know, Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars are going to beat all the box office records. I'm like, no, they're not. You know why? Because the MCU has not been able to replace Tony Stark. Because the MCU has not been able to replace Steve Rogers. The MCU has not been able to replace the Avengers. Because what they've done now, you have a collection of characters that aside from the Guardians of the Galaxy... And guys, I would listen. This is just one person's thoughts. I'd love to hear if you disagree with me on this and why. But I'm going to make a statement here. The MCU right now has no identity. The people who were the identity of, of kind of made up what the MCU was, they were the heart and soul and core, those characters are gone. And they have not been able to replace them with characters that the audience has in mass embraced and loved, like the way they did. Captain America or Iron Man or what have you, right? They just haven't been able to do that. They have not been able to replace that sense of universality that the Marvel Cinematic Universe had when it was in phase one and phase two and phase three. And it truly felt like everything was building up to Avengers and Age of Ultron and Infinity War and Endgame. Everything truly felt like it was... So you had great movies being made at a appropriate pace yeah. with core characters the audience <clears throat> loved and embraced that truly felt it was building up something. I'll tell you what, nothing feels like it's building up to Kang Dynasty and nothing feels like it's building up to Secret Wars. Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars just feel like things we're waiting for. I mean, they're just going to happen. Right. But we don't actually feel any connection to that. You know why? Because there's not characters yeah. that we are on a journey with that we feel are taking us. They're there. just mystery boxing it. Yes. And, and again, this goes back to what Bob Iger was saying that it has really become watered down. It's become diluted. It makes it audiences feel like they don't really know where this is going either. Do they? Cause they keep saying it's going to be answered, but then it's not. So you one on one hand, you're expanding this universe and expanding this universe. And then you're, you're, Introducing new movies, so you say, okay, well, in this movie, it's going to start linking things. And then it has nothing to do with linking to the next Avengers at all. And you know what? You don't even need to link if your movies are great. That, but see, that's what I was. That's my next but point. But they're not. Then they're trying to take chances. Yeah. So they're further frustrating audiences by doing an ultra silly Thor or trying to elevate Ant-Man to something he's not. Or just saying, well... 
This didn't answer any questions, but guess what? We've got more questions. So you're frustrating audiences. Yeah. It, it, it didn't help that they also started the multiverse too. I don't God, even mind it gave that. Gave them an out. I'll, I'll tell you. I think multiverse a was a big mistake. I'll, I'll tell you. I, I've said this before. When we were sitting in the in the in the seats in the theater, the auditorium at CinemaCon, and Kevin Feige said, "You know, buckle up for the multiverse saga." I and my you know best Dave Chappelle voice went, "Oh no." Yeah, I mean, that's not good. That's not good too. Is like, okay, it's multiverse, it's microverse, it's it's the same universe but different timelines. So it starts to get really muddled on what they're trying to express. I think you could do a movie like they did with No Way Home, where it's multiverse. But then guess what? At the end, they they go back to their own homes, and then it's done. Okay, that was a crazy mess, but they went home. But right now, it's like, oh, no, they're all going to be still hanging around. It's like, oh, come and on. And the re- reason why I think No Way Home is a good movie to use as an example is it goes back to what we always say. Winning cures everything. You make a great movie. Right. That can cover up a lot of the stuff, right? But that's really the core of the problem is that they haven't made great movies. And without great movies, you can't get people to truly embrace and identify with great characters. And without great characters, nobody cares about the journey. Nobody cares right now about where the MCU is going because right now we have no characters that we feel like we're going on this journey with. And that is something they have got to fix. Anyway, that's part of a much bigger, larger discussion. So to the point that I think, you know what? A year ago, I would have thought maybe Guggenheim was was a little bit crazy for saying that. But today, I'm not so sure that he's wrong. And I say this as a guy who is a longtime fan of the MCU. You know, I love a lot of my MCU stuff, but it's just getting to that point. Anyway, guys, with that down, we're now going to go over and start taking questions from our channel members. But before we do, we're going to take a quick second here and thank a couple of the sponsors of today's episode of the John Campia Show podcast. Our friends at Rocket Money and my mobile service provider, Mint Mobile. We want to take a second to thank a sponsor of this video, Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. And for me, Rocket Money has been a godsend. I've told you the story before about how I found out that I was still paying a gym membership from when I was still living in Burbank, California, two years ago. And just recently, I had completely forgotten that I was subscribed to multiple music services with different apps. Rocket Money identified the ones I was using and help me cancel my subscriptions super easy. And I'm not alone. Over 80% of people have subscriptions that they've completely forgotten about. And chances are you're one of them. Like that Stars app you use just to watch one show or that free gaming trial that you never got around to canceling. Rocket Money will quickly and easily find your subscriptions for you and for any that you don't want to pay for anymore just hit cancel. And Rocket Money will cancel it for you. It's that easy. Rocket Money also helps you manage all your finances in one place and automatically categorize your expenses. So you can easily track your budget in real time and also get alerted if anything looks off. So stop throwing your money away. Cancel unwanted subscriptions and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash campia. That's rocketmoney.com slash campia. Rocketmoney.com slash campia. We want to thank a sponsor of this video, Mint Mobile. From the gas pump to the grocery store, your utility bills and favorite streaming services, inflation is everywhere. Seriously, make it stop. Thankfully, there's one company out there that's giving you a much needed break. It's Mint Mobile. As the first company to sell premium wireless service online only, Mint Mobile lets you order from home and save a ton with phone plans starting at just $15 a month. You guys know that ever since I switched to Mint Mobile, I've been saving almost 70% a month over my old phone plan. For people looking 
Looking for extra savings this year? Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for just $15 a month. By going online only and eliminating the traditional cost of retail, Mint Mobile passes the significant savings on to you. All of their plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number along with all your existing contacts. Switch to Mint Mobile and get premium wireless service starting at just $15 a month. To get your new wireless plan for just $15 a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash campia. That's mintmobile.com slash campia. Cut your wireless bill to $15 a month at mintmobile.com slash campia. And thank you to our friends at Rocket Money and Mint Mobile for sponsoring this episode. All right, guys, with all that down, let's get over to our channel supporter questions here, shall we? Jonathan, what do we got up first? First off, Casinema, over under 30%, we see Fury's wife in the Marvels. Over. I mean, uh, I, again, I'm not going to go into the details of it, uh, but yeah, I mean, no, I, I think it's pretty clear that we will. So I think we will see her. I'm not going to say 100%, but I'll easily take over 30% at any rate. All right, what's next? All right, we've got Matt, who writes, besides Deadpool 3, what is your most anticipated Marvel movie that has been announced? That has been announced. Blade. <laughs> yeah, and it's on I mean, pause. Blade's up there. They haven't announced... Uh, my, mine would be Shang-Chi 2, but they haven't announced a Shang-Chi 2, so I, mean, I can't really include that one. Um, I can't even think of what is announced aside from the Avengers movies and, and then the Marvels. Well, you got Fantastic out. Four. We got yeah. the Marvels. You got Blade. You got Thunderbolts. Uh, yeah, Thunderbolts could be fun. I, I'd probably be more excited for Fantastic Four. I think I... You know what's weird? I I should be agreeing with... I think I'm actually more excited for Thunderbolts than I am for Fantastic Four. Well, it might have kind of a Suicide Squad feel. It might be really entertaining. Yeah, I mean, once I saw the lineup of who they were putting into it, I got very interested in it. Right now, I, I, I mean... I don't know what to expect from a Fantastic yeah. Four movie, right? So I'm not really sure. So I guess, but Blade would be up there. I mean, Deadpool 3 is obviously the answer, but if yeah, other than yeah. that, I'm, I might be, say, Thunderbolts. All right. Yeah. Because they have Harrison Ford in there too, baby. It does. Yes, yeah, right. It's got Harrison Ford in it. All right, what's next? All right. Oh, yeah, and of course, they did announce Captain America 4. I don't know why I forgot that. But, right. Uh, Brazilian dude writes over under 50%. Nolan's next movie is Bond. I would take over for Nolan. This is the perfect timing as he would have controlling. He would have control over casting uh, blank page for story tone, et cetera. For the broccolis, Nolan is arguably the most bankable director in Hollywood. Something Oppenheimer just cemented further. I'm going to say under simply, simply cause it's not up to Christopher Nolan. Like if it was only, let, let's put it this way. If the context we were in is that the Broccoli's and MGM have offered it to Christopher Nolan and said to Christopher Nolan, please come direct the next Bond. You can have full casting power. You can have full story power. You have full editorial, all that kind of stuff. Then I would say over 50% chance that Christopher Nolan takes it. I'm going to take the under simply because I don't think the Broccoli's are going to give him that. I think there's a chance. I, I, I'm not saying... There's no way in hell it'll happen. But I think there's a lower than 50% chance that they'll do that because they have never done that. It's their character. It's their legacy. And I don't know that they want to give all that power up to somebody who's going to be there for a few years and then gone. So I'm going to say, while I do believe it is a possibility, I do believe it's a possibility, 
on an over under of 50, I'm going to take under 50. All right, what's next? Jackmaster Norred or Nord. Hi, John and crew. Tonight is game day. Going to see Haunted Mansion tonight at 7 p.m., like a couple other people in here. I'm expecting to laugh my ass off, John. Hope you and Chef Pleasures enjoy it, too. Tell you what, Jack, we are going to go see it tonight. And we were talking about this before the movie started. And I, I said, come on, all excited about seeing Haunted Mansion tonight. Ray asked me, are you really excited to see it? And I paused. I said, I'm always excited to oh, go to the movies. Oh, here we go. Let's say that. Yeah. I'm always excited always. to go to the movies. Going. Just going. Now, do I believe that this is going to be a great movie? I'm not going to lie to you. I don't. I, I, I am not expecting a great movie. But I love going to find out. When you, <laughs> when you walk in that theater, you get that popcorn. You're sitting down with your friends or family. The lights go down. Uh-huh. The movie comes again. Get uh-huh. lost into the story. Don't you quote Nicole Kidman to me right now if that's what no. you're thinking about. No, no, go ahead. And you go in there and watch, and, and hopefully you come out pleasantly surprised. And then, but but the, you, you you like finding out, yeah, like the movie. But how about the process of finding out? Yeah, slow. <laughs> Two hours, slowly. That's, that is the process. That's the finding out. Let's just get to the beginning and the end. Let's it's get a, that whole. That's what the movie is, Ray. It's 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 a process. It's an unfolding it's of the story to get okay. you from A to B. You know, I, I do have. I this... like to walk into Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and say, and they just put up the last five minutes. Huh? You're gonna like that? Well, they would never. Or imagine that. missing the first five minutes of of Indiana Jones or something like yeah, that. Yeah, Shut up. Yeah, Don't go there. Minutes. Don't get me going. But honestly, God, honestly, we can all agree though that heartbreak really does feel good in a oh, place boy. like that. No, how to yeah. do it? Please. All right, what's next? Yeah. Uh, Yolatan writes, can you recall the first time that you uh, made you really notice Samuel L. Jackson as a screen presence? I was a kid at the time, but I believe the first film where I really noticed him was the 93 film Amos and Andrew uh, with Nicolas Cage. The one where I really <coughs> took notice of him was, uh, it's, it's, I'm looking at her face, Gina, no, it's not Gina Gersh. Uh, uh, Davis? What? Gina Davis. Thank you. Gina Davis and I cannot remember the name of the movie. Okay. But Gina Davis played this like housewife who did not realize that she was a programmed assassin spy killer. Oh, keep talking. Um, and she's <laughs> in it with Samuel L. Jackson. That sounds uh-huh. great. And what is the damn name of that movie? Yeah, Jonathan, you got to find the yeah, name. Yeah, look movie. it up. So Gina Davis. Gina Davis, Samuel, Samuel. L. Jackson. Oh, yeah, Jackson. and as soon as you the say, long kiss good night, long kiss good night. Mm. That was the one I think for me, and that was a long time ago. I was a lot younger, but I mean that's the one for me that I really took notice of. I and mean, then of course, then you for look me, back Pulp at Fiction, Jurassic. Which which one? Pulp Fiction. I mean Pulp Fiction for a lot of people. Actually, like, you know what? No, you're right. I take that back. It was Jurassic Park. Yep. Hold on to your butt. It was Jurassic Park. Yeah, and then Pulp Fiction. Yep. All right, what's next? All right, uh, Kayak says, Hi, guys, just wanted to mention that this year we got Dungeons & Dragons, Transformers 7, and Barbie, all based on brands owned by Hasbro Mattel. All turned out better than I anticipated them to be. Who would have thought? Um, <clears throat> first of all, the Barbie movie, which, you know, I've said, the Barbie movie is not going to end up in my top five films of the year. But it's it was way better than I would have expected it to be like six months ago. Like, way better than I would have expected to be six months ago. Transformers Rise of the Beasts, not as good as Bumblebee, but it was it was a fun little movie. I enjoyed that. Dungeons and Dragons 
was awesome. Um, that is going to be, you know, I think this year I'm going to put together a list of movies that lost money that totally deserve to be hits. I don't think I've ever done a list like that. I think I'm going to do one for 2023. And spoiler alert, I think Dungeons and Dragons is going to be at the top of that list. Um, but it looks like Mission Impossible 7 might have to be on that list too. It may not even break even. But but Dungeons and Dragons was totally a movie that deserved to be a massive hit. That movie was great. Um, again, not maybe not top five films of the year for me, but it's it's a great movie. And yeah, I just wish more people wanted to go see it. All right, what's next? All right. Um, Amin writes, uh, from a consumer side, what can we really do to help SAG and the WGA? Do we just hope that the negotiations continue and a deal is made? Hope that the films uh, we are looking forward to, like Dune 2, don't get delayed? Or is there something more tangible we can do to help? I think the reality. The reality is this. Though, look, I've got many friends who are, a couple of friends who are in the WGA. I got several friends who are in SAG. Uh, and I know some people who are on the studio side as well. This is the reality. While the WGA and SAG use their celebrity, and this is good, this is what they should do, uh, use their celebrity to try to win over the court of public opinion, the studios realize they don't, the, the court of public opinion will have zero impact on this. And, and to a degree, they're right. I mean, most people who have an opinion about stuff like this don't actually fully understand all the, the, the things going on with it. And that includes people in positions like me who run like outlets like this one, right? So court of public opinion really should have very, very little power in this. And, and the reality is it does. The studio doesn't care if everybody, if all the people in public um, think that the studio should do this with their money or that with their money. Studios don't care about that. They, they care about what they do with their money. And how they want to, you know, shell out their money, how much of their money they think they should pay out, what's going to be a working model for all of us, and blah, 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 blah. And again, it's 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 tough. You know, I was I was talking to a member of SAG the other day who said, you know, and it, it wasn't Chris, who said, we understand it is difficult when like Netflix is making a lot of money, but most of the streamers are losing money. And losing billions of dollars. It is tough to ask for more money from somebody that's already losing money. Now, they also point out, don't that doesn't change the fact that for us to earn a proper living doing what we're doing, we need to be paid appropriately. Absolutely. And, and the fact that they're losing money, that's their problem. But they acknowledge it's tough to ask somebody who's losing tons of money to give you more money. It's it's really, really hard. So basically, there's nothing that you and I can do. And really, there's nothing you and I should be able to do anyway. This is between the unions and their, their studios. This is for them to figure out. Only they really know the true, deep intricacies of all the different issues that they have on the table. We only hear the talking points that people get on TV or the press releases that studios or unions put out. It's up to them. There's not much we can do, and there's not much we should be able to do. And by the way, the other day, um, I felt really bad because I it didn't even cross my mind. I I, I signed up for a Netflix subscription. Yeah. Right. And and then like afterwards, I was like, oh wait, there's like a big fight over this and stuff. I felt like, oh my god, I kind of overlooked what was going on. So I paused my subscription just until this all thing is just 
over with. You know what I mean? It's just like it just it's just my opinion, my my personal feelings. I'm not taking sides. I just feel like I just don't want to be. But remember what Chris said on the yeah. show the other day, right? Chris said, "Guys, don't cancel your subscriptions because we need that data out there to make our case." Right. right. So, so that's, so I mean, so like you feel you want to do something that's supportive, like canceling an Netflix thing. But meanwhile, we've got a SAG member on our show who says, guys, don't cancel your stuff because that data needs to be out there to prove our point about why we should be getting paid more. There's also but, that fun donation too, right? That the rock just. Yes. Got. Yes. That's, I'm so glad you brought that up. And you know, Chris has mentioned it a few times. I don't have the link for it right on me, but if you guys do a search about, you know, Screen Actors Guild fund that you guys, that they are taking donations. If you want to help support the writers or the actors, highly encourage you jump on Google, search for those links. And that's a practical way. If you're looking for a real way to support the actors and the writers, not just writing a tweet and you actually want to practically support them, yeah. uh, go and look for those links and, and make, make a, a donation today. Donation. Yeah, well, if I don't think many people can make a rock size. No, I will, but I'll just, I'll just go bankrupt. <laughs> get a loan and then just yeah, put it in loan. there. Go into debt. All right, what's next? Uh, the Antagonistic Anonymous writes, Oscar-winning production designer uh, Dante Ferretti has been hired for Fantastic Four, according to IMDb. Uh, Mr. Ferretti's... Uh, oh, has mostly done history pieces, so his higher hints toward F4 set in the 60s. I mean, what I, I have learned sure. is never think for a second that this actor, this director, this cinematographer, this designer, this whatever, has done a lot of this. So that means what that's what this project's mm. going to be. I have I, I have made that same statement many, many times, going all the way back to the movie blog. I say, oh, well, they just hired this person, and this person's done a lot of this, so that means this new movie's going to be just like that stuff. Yeah. And... I, I have learned over the years never to make that assumption. So I, I would not, I don't think it in any way suggests that it will be set in the 60s or that it won't be set in the 60s. Just because they got somebody who has worked on stuff that was like that before doesn't mean that's what the new project's going to be. All right, what's next? Uh, Bright Guy writes, I can't wrap my head around where the money is going on these D-plus shows. $212 million on Secret Invasion. Seriously, what was spent on? What was that spent on? One of the things that I learned when I, uh, back in the day when I was still doing the movie blog, I I got into doing some background work. And initially started because I was invited by some studios to say, hey, we're shooting a movie that you're in Canada, right? Canada's a big country, but yes, I'm in Canada. Well, you're in the Toronto area, right? Yeah, I'm in Hamilton. It was just close to Toronto. We're shooting our new movie here. Do you want to come down and be an extra for the stuff? Like, Sure. And then I did it and it was actually kind of fun. And one of the things I learned by being on sets like that was it, I find a lot of today's movie fans think that the cost of movies is visual effects. Visual effects is a big chunk of a price tag, for sure, no doubt. But if you go down and are actually on set of a real major production, you will wonder how on earth can anybody afford to make this when you see all the people and all the departments and all the things and all the moving pieces that are involved in making those things. I mean, look, think of this. A lot of movies are $200 million, right? They just basically did a four and a half hour uh, movie or like the equivalent of two movies for about $100 million per each of those two movies, right? You're talking salaries and sets and all that kind of stuff. You know, when you look at it that way, it's really not that crazy. Um, 
so yeah, I can see that. Now, if it was 200 million, if it was $400 million, I'd be like, what? But 200 million. Yeah, I could, I could see it. I could see it again. Don't just look for expense in visual effects. There were some pretty big production things in this and I, yeah, that one's not unreasonable. Like you put out, if they put out two, if they had put out Secret Invasion as two, two hour movies and each of the budget of each of those two hour movies was a hundred million dollars. I go, yeah, yeah, I could see that hundred million dollars each. All right. What's next? Alan, uh, Alan writes, happy Wednesday, John. Thank you for your video yesterday about Barbie being the villain of the movie. I saw Barbie yesterday and your video helped me organize my own thoughts about what was happening in the film. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I think it's a very smart movie. It's a very, very smart movie. And, and, you know, I, I highly encourage you to go and check out my video on it if you've seen Barbie. But, like, really, at the end of the day, I, my big comparison in my video, and again, please go watch it, but my big comparison video is that Barbie's essentially the Grinch. You know, the Grinch at the end of the movie saves Christmas, sure, but the Grinch was the problem, right? The Grinch was the one who caused the problem in the first place that at the end... Spoilers. You know, yeah, spoiler for the Grinch. Required the Grinch. <laughs> and what was the name of the Grinch's dog again? Oh, Sam? Like, whoop, whoop. <laughs> I can't remember if it was Sam or... Um, let me see. Well, it was some name like that. But but the Grinch and his dog had a ride to sleigh down the hill, bringing the big bag. Sure, yeah, Grinch is the hero, but Grinch was also the problem. Max. Max, thank you. Grinch and Max riding in. <laughs> Max. Barbie <laughs> is the problem in the movie. Barbie is actually that, yes, she saves the day at the end, but that's because she caused this problem. Barbie and Barbie Land are in and of themselves the villains in the problem of the film. And, um, and, and yeah, I, I think, and on that level, I think it's a, it's a very clever film. It's a very clever the way they did it. Anyway, all right, what's next? All right, uh, Amin writes, who is your favorite side character from Oppenheimer? Other than Robert Downey Jr., Emily Blunt, and those bigger roles, for me, I think it was Alden Ehrenreich. Yeah, me too. That dude is a fantastic actor. Apparently, Casey Affleck was in the film but uh, also, but I didn't see him or recognize who he was. Gary Oldman was also great. Oh, you could instantly see Casey Affleck. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was pretty – I think it was uh, Josh uh, – Yeah. Uh, uh, he, was, he was the professor in the next door lab. Oh, okay. The guy who went camping with him. Oh, uh, is it Hartnett? Josh. Oh, Hartnett. Josh Hartnett. Yeah, yeah. That's right. I forgot he yeah. was cast in this. Uh, I really liked him. Yeah, yeah. And I, the whole time I was like, is that Josh Hartnett or whatever? Hartnett, and then, I think it. I think it was. And then, like the whole time, I was like looking, and every now and then he would he would turn turn, and I was like, that's not him. Remy Malik was really it was, good in it too. Yeah, it for, was, for uh, the short amount of time he was in there. Because we haven't seen Harnett, or I haven't seen Harnett he on hasn't the been big screen in a long time. No, the last thing I saw him in, and I was like, the one that I went, man, I haven't seen him in a lot of movies. It was Operation Fortune that he did with Jason Statham. Oh, that was recently. Yeah, he and he was really good in that. Oh, I'll tell you, man, that dude, Pearl Harbor, killed that guy's career. Yeah, thirty days like, a night, man. I love him in that. But he was on a trajectory to be a major... Like, I'm talking right around the orbit of Leonardo DiCaprio big. He was on that trajectory, and then Pearl Harbor happened. And it's like the guy's career just never fully recovered to the same potential. But he's, he's great. He's yeah. got really plenty good of time. I wouldn't worry about that. He's got a time to get that all back. Does he, how old is he now? 
Uh, How old see. is Josh Hartnett? Let's see. see if you can look that up. Why he's we a going? tall dude. That's all yeah, I know. Yeah, he's a big guy. All right, what's next? All right. Uh, re- red one, real talk. As exciting as parts Ooh. of Secret Invasion were, I came away underwhelmed like something was missing. The finale didn't help that. My patience for these series is nearly depleted, and I probably won't waste any more time with them when Loki and Echo are... Uh, are Back. What or what's I, I don't even have any intention of watching Echo. I'll, I'll be honest with you. Uh, they did a terrible job introducing that character. It was a character we didn't really care about it in in in, the, in Hawkeye. Uh, yeah, not and at all. It's like, oh, we're going to spin her off. Okay. You know, it's funny. I just said to uh, the guys here before we started recording the show today that I think the days of me doing the midnight watches because where we live in in L.A. That's when the uh, shows drop. They drop at midnight, right? Yeah. I think the days of me watch staying up and doing the midnight watches of the Marvel shows are over. I think he's forty-five, Josh Hart. Yeah, we're Is about. He? We're actually almost. You know what? So that's still pretty young. That's we're, still young. He, yeah, you're right. He's still got a, a good runway in front. We're of him. almost exactly one year apart. Crazy. Um, but yeah, I think I, I just might just you know in the morning before we come into the office, I'll just watch it. In the, because it, it used to be an event, right? Remember, we, we guys would come over, we'd barbecue, and then watch the midnight thing of whatever the new Marvel show was. And I, I, I don't think I'm going to do that anymore. I just love that you're joining this club I've been a part of for so long. What's that? The, let's not stay up till 12 and watch. <laughs> you know what? It's still worth it for like Andor, but right, right. with Marvel, honestly... Ms. Marvel was the last thing that I thought was really worth it. I was just waiting for buzz, like the buzz, like yeah. I would hear from you yeah. walking in for Secret Invasion. The less I heard that you guys are saying it's just okay, the less I felt I needed to watch this. Yeah. All right, guys, and that'll do it for today's installment of the John Campy Show podcast. Thank you so much for being here and making this show part of your day. Hey, if you are taking in this show on the YouTube channel, make sure you subscribe to our podcast because this is in podcast form. We actually make this first and foremost as a podcast. And listen, the next time you're either commuting or you're at the gym on the treadmill or you're at work or you're in a life, hey, have the podcast there so you can take in the show and you don't need the YouTube video there. Go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting app of choice and sign up for it today. Uh, if you are watching video, we got an open mic coming up a little bit later this afternoon. And until then, my friends, I want to thank Ray Aura. Hey, hey, hey. Jonathan Voico. See you tomorrow. My name's John Campia. And until next time, my friends, bye-bye. When facing a family law matter, it can feel like an overwhelming and never-ending court process. It's vital to know that things will look better on the other side if you hire legal counsel with the skill and compassion to help. At Stangy Law Firm, we represent clients in difficult family law matters every day. Visit FamilyLawRepresentation.com to schedule your consultation. That's FamilyLawRepresentation.com. Stangy Law Firm, here to help you rebuild your life. Stangy Law Firm has an office in Wichita. Kirk Stangy, 120 South Central Avenue, Suite 450 Clayton, Missouri. Has the winter season taken a toll on your tile, upholstery, carpet? Call Cyclone Cleaners, 570-726-6200. For all your carpet, upholstery, and ceramic tile cleaning needs, it's Cyclone Cleaners. Also offering odor treatment and soil and stain guard. Choose the only cleaning company that supplies the water to clean your home and disposes of it when they are finished. Call Cyclone Cleaners to schedule your cleaning today, 570-726-6200.